Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to an ex-police officer from a drug task force, to leading tech in a company he founded. That's right, our guest, Brent Williams, went from enforcing the law to enforcing elegant solutions through the lens of tech. So let's not delay, let's get Brent into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Brent. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast. Thank you, thank you. This is going to be a lot of fun. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, my name is Brent Williams. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Benakiva. Um, prior to Benakiva, I was an investment financial advisor, built a substantial advisory practice and saw some problems in the industry and decided to put together a team and go solve those problems. And the result is Benakiva. Excellent. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that. But first, yeah. what I want to do is going to wind the clock back, you know, the kind of Doctor Who moment where we go back. back in time. So um, obviously, you've been in that, in that industry, in this kind of insurance industry for 20 years. But looking, looking at your kind of history, you were a police officer as well. I was, I was, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting uh, uh, phase of my life. Um, you know, that was when I was a younger gentleman, and uh, I often say that uh, you know the police game is a is a younger person's game. Um, you know, I was involved in the, in a drug task force, and uh, you know, gotten a lot of uh, scenarios that I probably wouldn't care to be in today. But as a young officer, it was you know one of the daily daily grinds. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting and fun part of my life, but uh, something that I identified that I wouldn't be able to do uh, long term. I'm really curious as how you went from being a police officer to a leader of a tech company. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, you know as 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 my career progressed, you know, I I got into the business realm um, very young at a very young age. Um, I, I remember I was in a. I was in a high school class and we had this financial advisor come to our class and talk about, you know, compounding interest, you know, this, this eighth wonder of the world, compounding interest. And it really just stuck with me. And, and uh, so I, I started actually investing while I was in high school, you know, started putting money aside while I was in high school. I thought, well, you know, I have a job and, and I can take some of this extra money and put it away. And, you know, fast forward, little did I know that fast forward to when I was uh, 20, I decided to go into business uh, with a person and and start this business. And part of that savings that I had been doing all through high school helped put me in a position to where, you know, bankers really trusted me from a financial, you know, uh, financial uh, perspective and really catapulted me into the business realm. And then it just transitioned from, you know, one business, I would get that, make that successful. And then I'd say, okay, well, I see a problem over here. And then I would go solve that problem. And then one thing led to another. And well, wow. today I'm at Benakiva. <laughs> That's right. It's, and it's interesting how these, uh, these moments of, um, you know, uh, getting good at something, then create all yeah. these kind of opportunities, all the doors start to open, they fly open maybe, you know, so. Yeah. And, 
and, and that kind of transition, that, so that transition into that kind of tech space was solving problems using technology to do that. Yeah, yeah right. And and are you a skilled, are you a skilled kind of techie? Are you kind of like uh, done the training and stuff like that, or is it, or is it something you just picked up? <laughs> Well, during my my past career, I was I've always been involved in tech. Um, you know, my background is actually electrical engineering background, and then went back to school and got my financial uh, degree. So I've got a little bit of a, a yeah. an odd background where I've got the 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 technical knowledge, but I also have some of the financial knowledge as well. And um, but from a pure coding perspective, no, I don't do that work. Uh, yeah. That's for the other folks on the team. And, uh, you know, here at Benekiva, we stay we, we have this this term uh, uh, stay in your lane internally. And, um, you know, we have a co-founder and CTO, Sovin, who uh, he's the person who architected the platform and, and designed and built the the platform and then put together a team to continue uh, evolving the platform. And then we have another co-founder, uh, Bobby, who actually is the chief product officer and a co-founder. And um, her lane is making sure the product stays relevant and, and we get new features and additions to the product based on customer feedback. So we do a very good job of staying in our lane um, when it comes to technical questions or technical decisions. Um, while Bobby and I have some input on that, at the end of the day, that's Sovin's lane and his decision. Um, yeah. When it comes to product, while Sovin and I have some input on that, at the end of the day, that's Bobby's decision and her lane. Yes. Um, when it comes to finances and things like that, that's that's my lane and that's my decision. So yeah, we uh, we do a very good job at at staying in our own lane and uh, you know. The old adage, you know, three heads are better than one. And, uh, yeah. you know, in this case, we felt that, you know, one plus one plus one equals five. Right? Yes, I, mean, I love it. We're much better together as opposed to just being, you know, one individual separately. And Brilliant. it's worked for us. It's worked for Benekiva. I love it. So Benekiva, what is the problem that it's solving in the market? Yeah, so we digitize the entire claims and servicing processes. Um, the struggle I had as an advisor was, you know, when we were going through the claims processes, on one hand, I was constantly apologizing for these archaic processes, while on the other hand, I'm trying to maintain or gain people as clients. And a moment happened uh, during one of these claims processes that really made me made me identify that claims is a customer experience issue and what occurred was we were going through the claims process we had finished the claims process uh, collected our benefit and immediately after that process i was told by the by the policyholder and beneficiary that any and all other products that they have at that organization they want moved immediately to another organization and I was like, wow, I mean, you're you're literally going to pick up all of your business that you have at this organization and order me as the advisor to move it to a completely different organization because of what we went through on the claims process. And the struggle I had as an advisor is I've, I've been through a lot of the carrier's claims process. And honestly, I can move you from one company to another, but we're really not going to gain much. They're, they all are about the same. And so it really, it really, really put me in this position to where I was kind of stuck in the middle. So I decided that what we needed to do was really do some research around this problem and identify, was this a company, a company issue, an individual carrier issue, or was this a, an industry-wide issue? 
And if it was an industry-wide issue, what specific problems do we need to solve? And then more importantly, if we built the technology to solve these specific problems, would carriers pay to use it? I mean, at the end of the day, it's one thing to create great technology. It's another thing to monetize that great technology. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of insure tech startups or technology company startups that they build a wonderful technology and then they go look for a problem to solve with it or a way to monetize it. And what we decided was we need to do the research up front to identify what specific problems are we going to solve with this technology? And then can we monetize this technology prior to even building? And, um, you know, the research indicated kind of, you know, I'm from Iowa, you know, the movie Field of Dreams, kind of the, the adage, if you build it, they will buy it. And uh, so uh, we, we spent a couple years in what I call our silent ninja phase and actually built the platform out and brought it to the market in the middle of 2018. Excellent. That's really great. I love this. I love the analogy of, uh, you know, build it and they will come, you know, the field of dreams. It's a great film. I mean, it's such a kind of crazy out there film, but it just has a beautiful, um, a lot, lots of lessons for us. And I was going to ask you, actually, what does, what does Benakiva mean? Because I'm, I'm guess kind of an interesting name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, and there's a great story behind the, the name. It actually does have meaning. Um, this was uh, actually a brainstorming session that, uh, you know, the, the three of us, Sovan, Bobby, and, and myself, you know, just basically did like a whiteboarding session and said, hey, we need, to, we need to come up with a really good name. We need to come up with a catchy name, but we need a name that doesn't pigeonhole us to a specific industry or, or product or something like that, right? We couldn't say, you know, this is a, a life insurance claims, right? We couldn't say this is PNC claims or disability claims. We couldn't call it that. Hmm. Um, we couldn't just call it a basic claim system. Um, so we had to come up with a relevant name and we just started really throwing a bunch of words on the whiteboard and, you know, beneficiary, has, we've always launched Benakiva and started Benakiva with this, this whole notion of a beneficiary first mindset, right? right? Creating a platform with the beneficiary in mind um, and giving them the beneficiaries and the policyholders, the Amazon type experience that they expect today. Right. I mean, I often say, you know, the, the, the folks today expect that Amazon type experience. You can't put them in a 1970s Kmart. No, I mean, that's right. Expect the Amazon type experience. So we've always had this notion of this beneficiary first mindset. And for us, a beneficiary could be a policyholder, right? Because if you're, a, if it's a disability claim, the policyholder is actually the beneficiary, right? So to us, we kind of narrowed it down to, realistically what we're providing is a is is an amazon type experience for this beneficiary right and this experience and so then we 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 had policyholder up there we had beneficiary we had all kinds of insurance words up there and uh all of a sudden it it, it dawned on me i said i said there's there's this 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 kiva you know i said we need something that that has you know like a like a, a, a ring to it. I said almost like a Kiva or you know, you you think of Spanx, which is has the X at the end, right? There's like there's just something that grabs you there that oh, nice. you know that's what you need. And so uh we actually we actually threw Kiva up there and we said, what's what does Kiva even mean? So we actually started diving into the actual meaning of Kiva. And Kiva actually means sacred chamber for all. Oh nice. 
And so we took beneficiary, which is, you know, the Benny, added Kiva at the end. We said sacred chamber for all beneficiaries. It's Ben Akiva. Love it. It's, so it's kind of got your purpose. It's got your purpose in the name. Yeah. And and, the, and this is an interesting topic because, you know, having that name and feeling the meaning behind it, I guess that kind of drives as well. Yeah. Right? And that was, it creates that alignment. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, you know, even in our, even in our logo, you know, we've got the individuals in our logo, you know, the three individuals in our logo were designed to, um, to basically be the representation of three sets of experiences, one right. policy holders and beneficiaries, we need to give them that Amazon type anywhere, anytime, any device experience, right? Yes. But then we also have to give that same experience to the internal claims and customer service staff, right? They need to be able to do their jobs anywhere, anytime, any device. Yes. And then we took it a step further and said, we need to extend that out to agents, advisors, and other third parties as part of the claim process. Mm. So that's why we, that's why we have it in our logo. It, it's, it's literally a, you know, an indication of those three sets of experiences. So it's, it's not just solving uh, pain points for, for the policyholder, um, but the agents and, I, I, for, forgive me, I forgot the, the third one, but, uh, you know, it's, it's solving a problem across the board, which I guess is another kind of um, testament to the, the research you've done. You know, what is yeah. that pain point, you know? Yeah, the, third, the, the other one was carrier claims and customer service staff, right? right? I mean, we've sat, to date, we've sat down with over 400 claim staff individuals. And essentially what we did was we just let them unload, right? Let them, let them tell us what their, what their problems are. Let them tell us what their, what their pain points are. And then we take that back and say, okay, we've got to solve these specific pain points. You know, one of them was, uh, we, we, about every carrier we go into, we sit with a claim staff and the claim staff person is sitting in front of multiple monitors. And on each one of those monitors is multiple applications opened up. I mean, these folks are literally logging into 10 to 20 systems to process one claim. And so we simply ask the question, you know, why so many monitors? Why so many, so many applications? And the answer was, well, as a claim staff, I need to, I need to log into an admin system. I need to log into document storage system. I need information from this data source over here. And we simply asked, would it be nice if you had one single platform that pulled all that information in and you just live, breathe and play in this one platform. And the claim staff said, oh my gosh, my life would be so much better. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we have to build. Yes, that's great. So uh, the um, saying, uh, um, the best thing since sliced bread, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's almost like that for the kind of insurance industry. So that's great. And I'm glad you've kind of created this, uh, this beautiful company solving these problems for many people out there. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm really interested about is, is you, Brent, the, the yeah. leader, the, the founder of Genevica, yeah. what's the thing? What's the passion? What's what makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Yeah, it's it's literally. I think everybody on our team, um, we just love solving real problems. Um, I've often said, if you if you solve real problems, uh, the money will take care of itself, right? The the, the company. If, if you build a company solving real problems. The company will be successful, the company will grow, and the money will take care of itself. Um, and that's what we've stayed pinpoint focused on. We we basically do three things. We do claims, servicing, and retention of assets. Um, those are the, the three things we do. We don't focus on trying to be everything for everybody. 
Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a claims pain point, we're the person you should talk to. You have servicing issues, we're the person you should talk to. You want to retain death claim assets, we're the person you should talk to. If you want us to, you know, be your admin company, we're not the person you should talk to, right? But we have some folks we can introduce you to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we just, we've always been very good at staying in our own lane and being what we're really good at. You know, my grandpa used to tell me, you focus on 10 things, you'll be mediocre at 10 things. Yeah. Right. You focus on three things, you'll be great at one of them, very good at the other two. So Brent, as a leader, how do you roll? What's your style? Is, is, is the police thing in there still? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, as a leader, I, I mean, I, I, I was very fortunate at a young age to go through uh, Stephen Covey. So I'm Stephen Covey trained, you know, the seven habits of highly effective Lovely. people ultimately the eighth habit. What was really cool about that process was um, I went through it when he was really early in his career. And I actually went to a mastery program that was trained by him and got the opportunity to actually have dinner with him a couple times. And a few things just really stuck. I mean, seven habits of highly effective people's probably, you know, if, if anybody says, you you know, what one business book should everybody read? Everybody should read that one, um, you know, because it, there's so many really great lessons in that book. But one of the things that I really, uh, really kind of gathered and, and really held on to throughout my entire career was the notion of surround yourself with people who are better than you at things that you're, you're not, right? Surround yourself with good people who compliment you in your weaknesses. And um, that's just one thing that I've always, I've always been able to do. I identify my weakness, you know, and, and I bring a person on the team that that's their strength. Now you put a, put the two of us together and all of a sudden we're, we're a lot stronger together. You know, we find another weakness. We bring in a person that that's their strength. Now all of a sudden the team is even stronger right? Um, so I've always had this, this, this innate ability to bring the right people to the bus, so to speak. And, um, you know, that's kind of been, been, uh, my mantra. I often say internally at meetings and, you know, all the folks at Benikiva are going to roll their eyes when I say this, but I often say, I, I'm a lot of times I'm the dumbest guy at the table Mm. and that's, that's designed that way. Right. I mean, I, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. I don't need to have all the right question or right answers to the questions. What I need to be able to do is identify what I'm really good at and what questions I can answer. And if I can't answer those, be honest and say, I can't answer those, but you know, Bobby on our team can answer that for you eloquently or Sylvan yes. on our team can answer that for you just perfectly. Right. Uh, it's, it's about, you know, checking your ego at the door. You know, we don't have egos here at Benakiva. Um, it's just, you know, we just, we, we just never have the second thing I would say. So Stephen Covey trained is, is one surround yourself with the right people, you know, right people on the bus, so to speak. The second thing is, um, I read the book, uh, delivering wow, um, by Tony Shea about the, the Zappos stories, the Zappos story. And one thing that, that really struck with me was that deliver wow concept, you know, and we say that internally, it's one of our core values at Benakiva deliver wow and when we say deliver wow we don't mean deliver wow just to our our carrier clients we want to deliver wow to our internal 
our internal customers. We want to deliver wow to our employees. We want to deliver wow to our partners. We, we want everybody to be engaged with Ben Akiva to say, gosh, I just love working with those people because at the end of the day, any successful company is driven and run by people. Mm. It's not the product, you know, it's, it's not the name. It's not, it's the people. And as long as you stay focused on, you know, treating people right and, and giving them opportunities, giving them praises, giving them constructive feedback, you will build a strong organization. And that's yes. what we've done at Benakiva. You absolutely resonates with me. In fact, I'm resonating so much with what you said. I'm surprised I'm not kind of bouncing around the room right now because I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. And and it's honestly because the, the you know coming back to the book, the seven. I don't want to make it about Steve, Stephen Covey, sure. but um, it's a book that's a defining book for me. It was yeah. what I call the gateway book. It opened yeah. up a new way of thinking. And to, to think that you actually sat and had dinner with him, you know, yeah. I mean, that's just, that is proper kudos, you know, kudos. Yeah. I reckon it kind of, whatever he had kind of rubbed off on you, you know. Oh, Brent, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So as a, as a leader within your organization, I love this fact that you kind of got some great foundations of how you're going to progress and the culture sounds wonderful. What is the thing that keeps you up at night as a leader, as a tech leader in a tech company? Yeah, we're growing so rapidly. Uh, we're growing so rapidly that the biggest the biggest pain point that Benakiva is going to have is finding enough and the right people. Um, fortunately for Benakiva, this is one really cool thing about Benakiva. You know, we've grown from three employees to I would say I'd have to get a latest number, but I would say we're probably pushing seventy employees now and in, wow. in six different offices across the United States and world. Um, but that growth, what's interesting is every person that we've hired at Benakiva has come from a personal relationship of another employee. Right. And that is really a really cool culture and dynamic in a company nice. because when you bring somebody into the organization that you've worked for or with in the past, you all of a sudden have this uh, almost like this, this policing effect that occurs of you know, well, I don't want to let that person down because we've got this long-standing relationship. And this person, I don't want to let that person down because of this relationship. So it just builds this bond that it just lifts everybody. And everybody, you know, everybody just does great work. Um, you know, our culture at Benakiva, we don't have set hours. Where there, there are no set hours at Benakiva. There's no eight to five. There's none of that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we've got folks that will answer emails at 3.30 in the morning, right? Wow. I mean, it's, it's, and that's, that's because of, I think it's because of that culture we built and that, that team that we built to where we depend on each other and we lift each other up and, and we just, we just have this wonderful culture. Fantastic. That's really good. It sounds like a wonderful culture. In fact, yeah. you need to write a book about Benikiva's culture, you know, kind of thing. So I think we need to hear stories about what works. You know, we hear about a lot what doesn't work, but it's, it's great to hear what has worked for you. Um, and and just before we... That, I am writing a book. Oh, wow. There you go. See, there, it's, my, it's my skill, my Jedi mind, my Jedi mind kind of seeing it in the force, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So I would really look forward to, to, to reading that and seeing what that's about. And, yeah. um, and, your teams that you work with, you've kind of talked about the culture and how you get the best out of them. Any tips of what's worked for you in terms of communication, uh, creating alignment and collaboration? Because obviously, you know, that's, that's always a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, we've, 
we've got our communication channels uh, very transparent. We are a very transparent organization. Um, we don't have, like I said, we don't really have those egos um, all the way down to the calendars. Uh, all of our calendars are shared across the organization. Um, any one of our employees can log into their calendar and see exactly what meetings I am having as a CEO. They can see where I'm at at any moment in time. They can see the projects I'm working on. There, there's transparency there. Mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. I can log into anybody else's calendars and see exactly what they're doing. Um, we've just always had this open, honest, and transparent communication uh, structure that really helps us make sure that um, everybody, one, everybody's on the same page. And two, it just, it just creates that, that again, it goes back to that culture of there's really no, we kind of check our egos at the door, you know, just because I'm, I'm the CEO, you know, doesn't mean I'm going to treat anybody any differently uh, that isn't right. Or just because, you know, uh, Sovin is the architect of our platform doesn't mean he's going to treat anybody any different. Um, we, yeah, sure. We have, you know, decisions that have to be made at those levels, but from a transparency of communication and calendars, things like that, we just think it's important to, to leave that as transparent as possible. I love it. And it's, it's interesting, actually. Um, I mean, transparency seems to be coming up quite a lot re recently. And I think it does seem to be a tool that many companies are starting to pick up more and more often. You know, it's always been there. I mean, transparency has always been there, but it seems to be played out and picked up and used uh, to great effect. So here goes a tough question for you, Brent. Mm -hmm. Where is transparency not worked in your leadership? Uh, there, you know, when it comes to some items, uh, we can't have full transparency, obviously from an HR perspective and regulatory perspective, right? I mean, we, we can't send out an HR, you know, email and have that be transparent to everybody in the organization because there sure. might be some pertinent data in there that, that uh, only the HR person or, or myself should have access to. So in that case, you know, there, there are certain items that aren't transparent, but um, you know, calendars, there's, there's no reason why our calendars shouldn't be transparent. I mean, there's, there's nothing on my calendar uh, that I wouldn't want anybody in our organization to not see. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, that's good. And, and coming back to, uh, uh, the company and the kind of product you're creating and the and the solutions you're solving as you're growing, getting people to understand the problem they're solving. How do you go about that? You've got a vision, uh, mm -hmm. but there's very specific mini visions that sit under that underneath that. Yeah, it's it's that's one of the things that that I've often said is a is one of the the failures of business is not you know sharing that overall vision to the organization so that you're all going towards a single goal. Um, you may get off track once in a while and take little detours here and there, but at the end of the day, that end goal or that end result should be known by everybody in the organization. So one of the things that we do, and it's interesting you ask this question, we just finished this last week where we got all the teams to, you know, the, the, the leaders of the teams together and said, look, here's the product roadmap that, uh, the you know the three of us the the founders have decided we're going to work on in 2022 here are the specific problems they solve here are the items that we heard from carriers the why they want this and then you know now we're going to share that with the entire leadership team 
and you're going to help us prioritize what we're going to do right out of the gate and what will be something we do later. Because that whole brainstorming process, when you get those folks in a room and you got a giant whiteboard and you can, you know, bounce ideas off of each other, you know, at the end of the day, we're still going toward those main points, that main vision, but we may go about it a little different than what we had anticipated as the founders, right? Yes. Because yeah. now we've we've surrounded ourselves with these great individuals that we can use their experiences and say, okay, we were going to go down and do it this way, but you know what? Ryan, Tracy, they have a great idea over here. Let's do it this way. Yes. Um, and that's where I believe that whole, you know, check your ego at the door really shines because yes. it's not about, you know, who came up with the idea or who, uh, who presented it. It's, it's about execution. You know, yeah. I've always been on this, on this mantra of it's one thing to talk about doing things. It's another thing to do it. Right. Again, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. It's not execution is not easy, but if we can execute on the things that we've identified that we want to solve, that's where we're a differentiator in the marketplace. Love it. It's great. Brent. I've got a question here around, uh, the, you know, growth of companies, you know, the growing pains companies, obviously you're a growing company. You just described yep. you're growing pretty fast. Yep. What, what do you think are the foundations for growth to make that pain less painful? I think it's, I think it's, uh, part of that is, is finding yourself some, some good partners. Um, you know, from example, we, we have, we have three separate development teams within Venakiba. We have an innovation team that all they work on is innovation items. We have an integration team that all they work on is integrations. And we have a customer success team that all they work on are, are customer items, you know, in production items. And we've done a very good job of keeping those teams separate. We, so, you know, the, the problem that a lot of techno technology companies have is they get into a scenario of what I call, you know, Rob, Rob Peter to pay Paul, right? They get a bunch of bunch of clients, which is great from a business perspective, but then they have to rob from their innovation team to get the work done on the implementation side, or they have to rob from customer success in order to innovate. And, you know, by keeping those teams completely separate where they have their own lanes, their own vision of where they're tranching towards, now we can grow the company in a, in a more scalable manner. Yes. But going to the partners, there are some projects that come up that we just don't have the capacity to do. So that's why that, that's where, you know, it's good to have these good relationships in place to where a company like ours could lean on, you know, even a, an external resource company and say, hey, we've got this project. We think it'll take, you know, four months and we need three individuals for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, yeah. I think I think. You know that that allows us to scale up and scale down when we need to and then if we identify that there's a need on the team from a hiring perspective well now we've at least figured that out and now we can can start looking at our personal networks to hopefully find that individual or individuals to come on the team that's a really enlightened approach how did you learn that i think it's just the brainstorming of the team you know how are we going to do this um you know it it's it's Again, I think it, it comes back to that, that whole philosophy of, of knowing um, your weaknesses. And, you know, if we, have, if we have three separate teams working on items and they already have 
you know, work that they're working on. We can't get into the Rob Peter to pay Paul ourselves, right? Just so we can get a small project done. So in that case, we would be better off to hire an external company to come help us with this small project and get it done than to, you know, upset the apple cart, so to speak, with our three teams. And there's nothing wrong with that. And as we come towards our uh, closing arc of the podcast, the kind of our, sadly our time together, um, what <laughs> advice would you give for uh, aspiring tech leaders out there, or just even generally aspiring leaders? What's your advice to them? Yeah, the advice. I, I guess one thing I would I would take is there's there's you're going to get all kinds of input, right? I think as a leader, our jobs is to take all the input in. Uh, identify which input to take action on, identify which inputs to ignore and, and, you know, decide to move on. I've often said that if I would have listened to a majority of the people, Benikiva wouldn't be here, right? A majority of the people that I spoke to said, don't build a claim system. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to get carriers to use it. It's not going to do this. It's not going to do that. Right. But when I actually talk to the carriers and the people who are processing claims, they're telling me, my gosh, we need this. Right. So there, there are some decisions that a leader has to make that a leader has to know and identify and say, okay, you know, to me, the people that are telling you not to build something either, either a don't have enough information, right. About the, the problem you're solving or B you haven't done enough research to identify if I solve this problem, can I monetize it and create a business out of it? Right. So one of those two things has to be done with Benakiva. I knew we did the research. So I knew that there was a high, highly success rate. If I, if we built this platform, that this platform would be accepted in the marketplace. Right. So in that scenario, there were a lot of people that told us not to build a claim system that today, those same people are saying, wow, you guys are geniuses, right? <laughs> yes. And, and this kind of touches on that kind of geniuses. They're, they're a little bit mad. They're a bit kind of out there. They do stuff that nobody else wants yeah. to do or does. And so, I, you know, being, being somebody that's a little bit kind of out there, you know, eccentric, and, and I guess, you know, that eccentricity allows us to, to try new things for, for what? Because we'll want it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So kudos to you, you know, that's absolutely brilliant that you did it <laughs> and you didn't listen to those people. So, and great advice for tech leaders. And you've already mentioned, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you the question, what books would you recommend as part of your journey? But you've already mentioned oh, yeah. a load. So, you know, Stephen Covey's book, excellent. And hopefully your book as well, uh, when that's yeah. out. <laughs> and, and, and while we're here, what what book? When when is that book out? I'm currently writing it. Uh, I've been in the process of writing it since uh, 2018. I, I decided in 2018 that, you know, I often say that, uh, you know, to identify a problem, put together a team, research the problem, do all those steps in order to make a successful company. It's not an easy task, and you know, a lot of times these you know people who have a successful business. You know, they're almost looked at as this overnight success, right? But it's really not. It's years and years. I mean, when I truly look back at when I started working on Benakiva, it was 10 years ago. Hmm. It, you know, it was a long time ago. Um, and, you know, it was those steps and those research pieces and just gathering a little information here, doing some execution there. And then, you know, that, that ultimately got us to where we're at. And then when we come to the market, 
and we all of a sudden get carriers very quickly, you know, people say, oh, well, you, you guys got lucky. You guys, you know, hit the market at the right time. No, we solved real specific problems. That's what we did. Yeah. Um, it wasn't luck. It wasn't any of that. It was, it was, it, you know, trusting the research. It was finding the right people to put on the team. It was building the right product. It was connecting with the right people to bring that product to the market. It was selling the product. It's all those things. And again, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, I love it. And is that a character trait of yours to, to do the hard thing? It, a- absolutely. I, I think my <laughs> track record kind of shows that, that I've, I've always just, you know, gravitated towards a problem and then tried to change it, tried, tried to make change in that industry. You know, I, I did it in the automotive industry. A lot of people don't even know that. Um, oh, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about finding real problems and solving real problems. Yeah. Problem solver Jedi. That's what I'm going to call you, Brennan. <laughs> there you go. And I'm going to offer you a wish now. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to be the tech genie to offer a wish for your leadership, for your tech world, for your business. What would you wish for? Boy, I wish. Let me see. You you talking from a carrier perspective or from an internal perspective? Anything you want. You've got a wish. It's your wish. Well, from a carrier perspective, one of the one of the, the hardest things or the toughest things we run into is um belief. And I'll explain that. So one of the things that we identified as part of that research that we did prior was one of our barriers to entry for Benekiva was going to be connection to multiple systems across an organization very quickly. Hmm. Um, so we, we decided to dissect that problem down to identify what is truly the problem with that scenario. And what we identified was typically this is how ven- vendors work with carriers. You know, a carrier will, a vendor will sell the product and service to the carrier the the vendor says hey thank you very much now in order to connect our platforms we need this specific data we need it in this specific schema and we need it in this specific way to connect in order to get our system up and running which is why these these implementations take years right we said implementation should not take years it shouldn't take years you know 18 months to five years in order to get a software program up and running live in production. Mm. So what we did was we decided to do some research on what was the problem with that scenario. And what we identified was that whole process of this is the specific data we need. This is a specific schema. And this is a specific way to connect was the problem because then the carriers had to go back to their 50 systems across the organization. A identify, can we get the data out? right? Because some of these are green screen, you know, legacy systems. <laughs> and then B, put it in a specific schema so that this vendor can accept it. And then C, build the connection so that we can connect to the vendor's external software. And then finally, you have to go and test and make sure everything works as, as planned. What we identified was we need to take that entire burden off of the carrier. So how Benekiva works is we built our own data configurator and what we call innovation gateway. What that allows us to do is we go to a carrier and say, here are the specific, here's the data we need. We don't want you to build, you know, special services for Benekiva. Just give us the data. 
We don't care what schema it comes in, what format it comes in. We don't care. Just give us the data because we have our own proprietary data mapping tool and innovation gateway that will absorb the data, data will get the data in, in a useful manner for Benakiba. You don't need to worry about doing any of that. The result of that is we haven't had a single implementation from signature contract to live in production processing claims take longer than six months. Wow. And that includes our tier ones. That's the struggle we have in the industry is because you got IT leaders, you got CTOs, CIOs that say six month implementation, impossible. No way you can do that. Yeah. Uh, we've done it 16 times. <laughs> so, <Love> it. <laughs> you know. yeah. so it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's solving an, yet another pain point is that it's that get, being able to kind of, uh, you know, get their data and, and, and make it usable in a different and a, and a more kind of adaptable platform. That's brilliant. And what's interesting is that that's not even the, the, the tough part. The tough part is the belief. Yeah. Right. When we tell a carrier, we'll have you live in production processing claims in less than six months. They don't believe it. They're, right. they're like, that can't be done. Right. All right. We have so, one carrier, one carrier that has some green screen uh, systems that literally told told us that they're immune to digitization, immune to digitization. Right. And we're like, what? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Can you get data out of that old system? Yeah, we can. Then you're not immune. <laughs> yes. Yes. Period. You're not yeah. immune. I'm going to make that wish come true. Okay. I'm going to make it come. I'm going to make it come true by if they want to know. Uh, if it's possible, you just put, point them over to me and I'll say, believe, believe me, it can be done. Okay, there you go. So that's great. That's a great wish. And and as we come to the full stop of our time together, Brent, what's your key takeaway that you'd like to offer to the tech leaders out there, the men and women leading tech in the space? I would say have an open mind. There's a lots that's, there's lots that's changed in the technology industry. You know, five years ago, the things that you you know, thought couldn't be done today can be done and can be done a lot easier. Um, you know, just in the last five years alone, 10 years, especially technology has, has evolved dramatically. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of carriers are going through what I call a digital footprint reduction process where they're taking a look at the organization. They're identifying their technical debt. They're identifying which of those old green screen systems really truly need to go away because what you got to realize is, is, you know, just because it's an old system and it's, and it's working well, it's doing the calculations, it's doing what it's supposed to do. You've got to look at the ripple effects of that technology. So for example, we've got carriers that are still running at, you know, systems on old, old technology that you can't even find developers to work on that anymore. You know, that's a problem. Um, so the thought process is, is you, you, you're going to have to deal with that legacy technology at some point, um, you know, and some of those legacy technology conversions and upgrades, things like that. Unfortunately, the carrier is not going to be able to put a return on investment to that. There's, mm. there's just there's no way to put an ROI number on that. You just have to make the decision as an organization that look, the technology did its job for that 40 years. We just have to, we have to know and realize that to get to the next 40 years, we can't rely on that technology. We have to upgrade to a, to the latest, yeah. greatest technology. 
The second thing I would tell leaders is this whole notion of buy versus build versus partner. You know, um, insurance carriers have IT teams, right? And they say, well, why would we partner with a Benekiva? We can build a claim system. And it's not, a, it's not a question of whether you can or can't build it. The question is whether you should or shouldn't, right? I mean, we've got carriers that we've spoke to that spent five years, spent millions and millions of dollars to build a claim system, that that claim system never processed a claim live in production. The project was scrapped and that was, that was a sunk cost. In that scenario, this one carrier I was talking to, they spent millions of dollars. I said, you could have literally bought Benekiva, installed Benekiva, used Benekiva for 47 years for less money than what you just spent on that project. Wow. That's a perspective. So, <laughs> so you're like, the, the whole men mentality of buy versus build versus partner I think what carriers need to do is start opening their minds and look more at that partnership model. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we've built the best in class claim system. In my opinion, there's not a better claim system in the market. Why would you wanna go try to recreate that? Mm. One, it's gonna take you years. It's gonna take you millions of dollars when we can install it for a fraction. I mean, our implementations aren't millions of dollars. You know, our software as a service fees aren't millions of dollars. Yes, I like it. I think that's a great note to finish on. Open mind and really consider the kind of options of how you bring your uh, solutions to your organization. So thank you for your time, Brent. It's been wonderful having you on. I had great fun. And I look forward to maybe hearing some stories about you as a police officer and, uh, <laughs> and you know, the old Breaking Bad stories. Uh, but yeah, it's been wonderful having you on. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another great example of a unique path to tech leadership. Policeman in the drug task force to founder and lead of a highly successful organisation. And what a wonderful story of success it is. Benevica by name and creator of its meaning as well, i.e. looking after their beneficiaries and to other parties that are important stakeholders in the process. I really love how the name means what they set out to do. Purposeful by name and purposeful by nature. So, what were your key takeaways? These were mine. Number one, how an unfortunate issue seeded an opportunity to solve an endemic problem in the market. As per the story that Brent described, every issue has a silver lining. It just needs the right perspective and the right mindset. My second key takeaway, following on from that, is about having the conviction to deflect away the naysayers and letting other voices under the banner of thorough research confirm the business case of your idea and then solve the identified problem with focus and passion. Find your lane and stick to it. Be known for it. My third key takeaway is about that wonderful book that Brent mentioned, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. The book gets to the foundational layers of what great leaders build on. I encourage those that haven't read it to read it. And the conversation with Brent was a great reminder to read it again. It's that good. And my fourth and final key takeaway is a really important one for leaders that have got competing demands on their teams, especially in the tech and product development and maintenance. I.e. don't rob Peter to pay Paul. 
If you need resources to quickly get a product out of the door or a function, find a partner to be able to throttle up or down your needs. Like the Agile Scrum approach suggests, keep the signature of your teams consistent as possible. Protect them. I don't rob Team Peter to help Team Paul. So thank you, Brent, for your time and keep creating that wow factor for all the people you went out to serve in your vision. And Benevica, keep honouring that beautiful name. Keep that beneficiary's mindset alive and kicking. Thank you again, Brent. Your story is inspiring. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.